Attention sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Guess who's perpetuating all of these kinds of ac- actions? It's the men in this country, and I just want to say to the men in this country, just shut up and step up. Do the right thing for a change. Well, I have great respect for, for Senator Hirono. Um, I am a man. We're trying to do the right thing. I'm not interested in more political or cultural combat. I'm interested in two things. I'm interested in truth and I'm interested in fairness. And we're trying. We're trying. She does not know when it happened, where it happened, and who else was there. Judge Kavanaugh has already categorically denied it. Uh, There's no useful evidence to be served by interviewing him. Uh, It cannot be investigated because there is nothing to investigate. And now, Stacey Washington. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Um, Thanks so much for being here today. We have just so much going on. Uh, We actually have our guests. So I've been running back and forth to locations far and wide for the past couple of days, today and then a couple of days ago, uh, trying to finish and wrap up shooting for a documentary that we're doing on really a fun topic here. It's it's a Missouri documentary, but it's really applicable to any state um, that has taxpayers in it. So it's going to be really fun to talk about that a little bit more. But right now, I want to kind of preview. We have a guest for you today. I thought... So you know how it is when you're you're slamming and jamming trying to get stuff done quickly. And so I had him in the first hour, but he's actually coming on this hour. Um, so we're going to be speaking with him. And then we uh, Ryan LaRue, student pastor of New Life Christian Center. And we're going to be discussing some more about the Kavanaugh accuser. A good point made to me, someone just sent me a note and said, you know, something that has been glossed over in this whole discussion is, and I, I actually did think about this like last week when it first came out, I thought, and no offense, even if it is true. So most of the time with sexual abusers, they don't stop with just one person. So perhaps this did happen and then he went on to be an upstanding individual. And so the person who sent me a note said, you know, aren't we made new in Christ? Perhaps he uh, this this was before, you know, his frontal lobe was fully developed because boys keep their brain keeps growing until they're 25 years old. And so, you know, how does that bear on what's happened? And, and that's another reason for the statute of limitations, because it's not fair to let someone live their whole life and then imprison them for things that happened, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. We want to see justice for people, but we also have to have reasonable limits on how long uh, a crime can be prosecuted. And that's why we have statute of limitations. So I, right now I want to listen to Joe DiGenova. He is talking about... Uh, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, he doesn't mince words here. It's number four. Joe, does this make sense to you? Is this something the FBI has jurisdiction over? And could they conceivably come up with meaningful information in a case 36 years old? No, this is not utter nonsense. This is another delaying tactic. Uh, she, she really doesn't want to testify because right. when she does, she's going to look like the loon that she is. She may very well believe everything she's saying. And that is one of the signs of lunacy, believing something that isn't real. But her lawyer is even loonier. The FBI is not going to investigate a non-federal matter of an alleged assault, which is 
unconfirmed by even the witness herself. She's not sure when it happened, where it happened, who else was present. She never reported it to anybody. This okay. is nothing. So at this point, <laughs> everybody's starting to have opinions. Everyone's starting to kind of weigh in on what they think it is. Now, I got to say, other news that we could be talking about, other news that um, there, there might be really, really important for us to be talking about, well, the S&P and the Dow have hit fresh highs. So first off, let's, let's kind of run through it all. We've got the tariffs that have recently been announced by China on some you know, tiny portion of our massive goods that we sell all over the, the, the world. And what's interesting about it is our trade deficit with China is so unbelievably lopsided that their tariffs on our goods really don't have the impact that they would have if we had a more equal trading relationship. So the idea that they're hitting us with tariffs it, I mean, it makes for really good news to try to say, Donald Trump's not doing it right because he's so mean and he's so awful. You know, that's the voice of the whiners and complainers. He just, all his decisions are bad. Yeah, but it looks like it's working. Actually, it looks like it's working. And the market is responding. So we've got to stop them from stealing our intellectual property. We've got to stop them from having basically a one-sided trading relationship with us. We've got to stop them from just scraping everything good out of our Silicon Valley and technology industry so that they can start their own replica of it. Now, I will say that we all know how this works. So a person can steal something and it can appear that they've gotten away with it. So it can appear that China will have gotten away with stealing what we, what we have, our intellectual property and a bunch of our ideas and things like that. But the thing about technology is what was an innovative idea last year is almost obsolete this year. So let's say they do take what they've stolen, the information they've moved overseas, and they're able to develop some of it and go with it. But they're going to be developing it and going with it on their trajectory. And they've already proven that they can't create fantastic products on their own. They can't come up with the ideas and prowess needed with their citizens and their population. They need people who are educated in America. Also, they have the whole communist thing going on and they're crushing Christians. They're not going to have their work blessed with that. So we do want to stop them from stealing our intellectual property. We do want to balance the trading relationship. But the idea that they're going to be able to stand up a Silicon Valley and run with it without having some Americans working there and fresh infusions of new creative Americans, young ones just graduating from educated in the United States, that's, that, dog, that dog's not going to hunt. It's not going to hunt. And the reason it won't hunt is because if they could replicate that, then why wouldn't they just set their own Silicon Valley up? Why do they need to steal our intellectual property? Why do they need to come here and fund venture capitalists so they can take their ideas? They have to do that because they can't create the ideas with their citizens coming out of their, out of their industries. They can't, they can't do it. They can't do it without American brains, American know-how, and, you know, us annoying Americans. Because you know they think we're annoying. I mean, they just can't stand us, but they want the ideas. They want the ability to have an industrial center that's based off of technology that keeps cranking out these innovations. Instead, they're basically the kings of knockoffs right now. Anything cool that we make, they just knock it off and, and put out a cheaper version. Cheaper, it may be as good, but it's a knockoff. It's not their own original idea. So that brings us back to 
uh, the, the, the good financial news. And everyone's crowing about it, and rightly so. When, when we have good news, let's, let's celebrate it. And does it have to be that it's good news only because it's President Trump or only because it's not Barack Obama? Let's take all that out of it. Let's just say when the S&P and Dow hit fresh new highs, all Americans with investment accounts reap the benefit of that. And that's good enough for me. So according to the Financial Times, and this is today's reporting, U.S. stocks kicked off Thursday with a bang, with the S&P 500 and Dow both hitting fresh intraday record highs as trade fears appeared to ease and Treasury yields climbed. The S&P 500 climbed 0.6% to 2,924.89, led by a 1.2% advance in materials and a 1% rise in financials, that was partially offset by a 0.9% decline in utilities. The Dow Jones Industrial Average rose 0.8% to 26,627.87, hitting a fresh record high, having last notched one in January. The Nasdaq Composite climbed 0.5% to 7,987.97, while the Russell 2000 Index of Small small Cap Stocks rose 0.4% to 1,717.09. Fantastic. I'll take that all day, every day. That's what I'm talking about. Um, why? Because who doesn't want their investments to grow? Come on. This is the reason why people are investing. And it's not too late to get in on that. Get in on that investing action. Share in on that. Um, enjoy. That's what we want to do. And uh, so I thought that was really great news. Really good news. That That's what we need. Um, so we've got... Okay, breaking news. Kavanaugh's accuser is now offering, and this is per the Hill. I mean, I just, hello? How much longer does this have to go on? I, I was saying this, okay, so y'all probably noticed in a little bit. I, I don't have a lot of patience for this. I was saying this about the Mueller investigation. It's still going on. It's like something that just won't go away. It's like a boogeyman. We can't seem to get rid of that thing. And now here we are with the possibility of this going on for just what seems like forever. Really, it doesn't have to go on forever. Understand that the reason that there's going to be kind of a slowing down of the moving forward with this case, the reason that we would want or they would want to do that is because it prevents him from being seated by October 1st to start hearing cases uh, in the new session. And... So now, obviously, my computer is, like, acting up. I mean, I, that, that's not even cool. Um, so I'm going to my alternative source. So the Kavanaugh accuser has offered to testify next week. Christine Blasey Ford says that she will testify next week if the terms are fair and ensure her safety. She emailed through her attorney to the Senate Judiciary Committee saying that she would definitely, um, she says she can't appear on Monday. It's not possible. And that that day is arbitrary. Now, let me tell you what I think is happening right now. They know that the case falls apart if she doesn't appear. They know that the case falls apart if she does not agree to be questioned. But the case doesn't fall apart. It continues to have legs. It's still a story. If 
She says she will under certain conditions, and then it takes two or three weeks to hammer those out, right? As long as she can string the Judiciary Committee along and make them yield to her will and go as slowly as possible, then she's accomplishing the purpose of filing this complaint altogether. And that's, that's the way I see it. I know, I know how you feel. I know you're up, you don't agree with me, and that's fine. Some people who don't agree, good for you. You have every right not to agree. But I'm calling fakie on this one. It's a fakie. It's a political hit job. And it has no bearing. Like when she testifies, it isn't going to change anything. She says she would like to set up a call later today to discuss the conditions under which Dr. Christine Blasey Ford would be prepared to testify next week. As you're aware, she's been receiving fresh death threats, which have been reported to the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And she and her family have been forced out of their home. She wishes to testify. So she said, thank you for the various scenarios in which you would accept testimony. Even offering so far, Grassley said he would send people to California where she lives. She appreciates the various options that were suggested. Her strong preference continues to be for the Senate Judiciary Committee to allow for a full investigation prior to her testimony. Really? Yeah. So at this point, huh? she's saying she wants to discuss possibilities. I'm just not buying it, y'all. I'm not buying it. Today is not the day. Monday won't be the day. There will never be a day for her to be willing to testify that will work out for the committee. Honestly, that that's the way I see it. She will absolutely find some way not to be there. She will not appear. She will not. Th- this is not above board. Now, you know, maybe she'll, uh, maybe she'll shock me. She might shock me, but I doubt it. So I want to go to this news about Google. And this is super important. Um, Google defends Gmail data sharing and has given few details on the violations. Unbelievable. All right, we'll get into that and so much more. Hey, we have our guest up next. So uh, stay right there. Stacy on the right. Be right back. The Ministry of Preborn meets abortion-minded women right where they are and reaches them with the love of Christ. We showed her love and we accept her right where she's at. If the baby's saved by what we do here and the mother's life is spared from the devastation of abortion, that definitely helps them in this life. But this is not all that there is. We want our clients to know about Jesus. I got to see his heartbeat. It just looked like a little butterfly in a bubble. The Lord gave me that baby, and He gave me that baby for a reason. The Ministry of Preborn runs and leads Christian pregnancy centers all over the country, helping abortion-minded mothers to choose life for their unborn babies. To find out more about how you can help save a baby's life, go to preborn.com. 
or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. All gifts are tax deductible. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. One axiom in the news business is the reality that good news isn't really news. Thousands of airplanes land safely. That is not news. An airplane crashes. That's news. Because of this, we rarely hear good news about our world. We certainly hear lots of bad news. This is especially true in an election year when challengers paint a dismal picture of our world so that you elect them instead of the incumbents. After Jim Garrity wrote a column predicting trouble ahead for our nation, he was convicted that he should follow it up with some positive statistics. Here's a short list of good news that you probably won't hear too often. The crime rate is way down from the 1990s. Drunk driving rates hit an all-time low a few years ago. Air travel is getting safer and cheaper. The teen pregnancy rate is steadily declining. The abortion rate is the lowest since Roe v. Wade was passed in 1973. And the infant mortality rate is low and getting lower. High school graduation rates are the highest ever. Teen drug use, if you exclude marijuana, is down dramatically. In the past, I've talked about the nation's opioid epidemic. So far, few teenagers are involved, and it's worth mentioning that teenage binge drinking is lower than it was in the 1990s. Some good news you have heard, at least in my viewpoint commentaries, concerns unemployment. As you know, unemployment figures for certain minorities is the lowest ever. Perhaps the most amazing fact is that there are currently more job openings than unemployed workers. And recently I talked about how the median family income is the highest ever. In the midst of some of this good news, you still have skeptics. They say that just because some of these social statistics are lower doesn't mean they aren't a problem. That is true. As I often remind my listeners, lower doesn't mean zero. We certainly have more work to do, but let's also celebrate some good news. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. From Universal 1440, Unbroken, Path to Redemption, the rest of World War II hero Louis Zamperini's true story, now playing rated PG-13. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being here today. It's my pleasure to welcome our next guest. We have um, Ryan LaRue. He's a student pastor of New Life Christian Center. Thank you so much for being with us today, Ryan. Hi, Stacy. Thank you. So um, you were wanting to discuss how the actions of today's youth will impact their future. Let's talk about that. Right. Um, so I think there's been a lot of discussion, especially over the last week or so, concerning Judge Kavanaugh, uh, the allegations that have come out. I think that we're living in a time where, unfortunately, all it takes is one accusation for the rest of your life to be ruined. And, of course, you know, with, with our youth group uh, in Retro, Arkansas, I've, I've tried to stress to students that it's not quite like it used to be where you live in a society where you, your word uh, could merely defend yourself on its own, but there's the court of public opinion, which is becoming even more strict than it's ever been, and, and your reputation can be easily run without you really even doing anything. And so I think that it's, it's very important. We've got to monitor our decisions more than we ever have today. So that is, I, I really honestly believe that's been true all along because while social media has really ramped things up, back when I was in high school, an accusation like that would tank someone's career in the place where they lived. It would 
kind of haunt them. And it would be something that people could find out if you ever had an FBI background check and they went back to your town and you'd been accused of rape, even if it was unsubstantiated, that would show up because people wouldn't forget. So it's always been kind of a perilous thing to be really reckless with your behavior as a teenager. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I don't think, I, I think that today we probably tell our kids, you know, I, at least I hear a lot of parents from my experience telling their kids, you know, that you're going to make, and, and that's okay. You'll deal with those decisions, but that doesn't mean that we just merely have to be reckless in all of it. We have to, we have to follow what we're doing and, uh, we've got to make the right decisions at all times. We've got to follow, uh, if we have any type of standard, if we've got morality, we have to go about what, what we're learning from, from our parents. That doesn't mean just because somebody comes out of a crazy wild oats that it's okay with doing it. That's true. But I also want to point out, um, there's so there's some scriptural reference for what we see. In my opinion, what we see happening is they're, they're setting a trap for Judge Kavanaugh to try to ensnare him improperly. And and Psalm 35 says, since they hid their net for me without cause and without cause dug a pit for me, may ruin overtake them by surprise. May the net they hid ent- entangle them. May they fall into the pit to their ruin. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. And elsewhere in scripture, it says the boulder that you set up to roll on your neighbor will roll back onto you. So the idea that people are getting away with this, it looks like they're getting away with, uh, you know, making these false accusations and then having them, um, you know, having no repercussions, but that's not the case, is it? Um, well, one of the big problems, Stacey, that I have with all this is precedent because, um, I mean, we've already seen this once with another judge where an accusation's come up, but now we have another situation. And it seems like once you begin doing this, you're just, you're just setting something up that's going to continue to happen. You're setting a precedent. And it's a bad road to go down, and I'm afraid, I'm sincerely afraid, you know, eventually the pendulum swings back the other way, and you're going to have a Democratic Congress, you're going to have a Democratic Senate, possibly a Democratic president at some point, and they're going to attempt to put in a judge, perhaps like a Ruth Bader Ginsburg or somebody on the other side of the aisle bent the other way, and it may not go too well. I fear that there may be some Republicans that pull the type of trick that Democrats are currently, and I'm not saying that that's right, but when you said a president, yes, you're, you're going to have the voter roll back on you at some point. I'm quite sure of that. I see what you're saying. So you're saying if it's good for the goose, it may be good for the gander, and other people in politics might feel like, well, this is the new rules of the road. I'm, I'm, you know, we have to participate, and they'll do the same thing to their nominees. What's funny about that is it. It seems like if it was going to happen, it would have happened after Clarence Thomas, the way he was treated, or after Judge Bork. And, you know, it's just not been the case. Most of the time, uh, most of the nominees that are brought forward by Democratic presidents are confirmed without much rigmarole. Uh, Sotomayor, um, you know, uh, the other one, there, there are two that were confirmed during President Obama's tenure, and they sailed through with bipartisan support. Kagan, unless uh, Justice Stacey, Elena Kagan. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, if I'm if I'm remembering this correctly, was went through ninety six to three on the voting. Mm-hmm. It was ninety six to three. Ginsburg. She just she just did an and, interview about it. Yeah, 
It's true. Yes, and if you go back and look at footage of the actual hearings, there was laughing going on. I mean, Republicans that were joking around with her during the hearings, it's a completely different atmosphere. And so, I mean, I look at some of the situations like shutting down the government because of budget talks. It's something that's happened increasingly, and, and frankly, it's sort of a joke. Uh, I was listening to Ben Shapiro earlier this week, and, and he mentioned that. And then now you look at these uh, judicial hearings, they, they've sort of defeated their own purpose. I mean, it's, it's turned into more of a circus than it has serving its actual purpose. And it's, it's really a shame, but it's that precedent. Once you begin to do it in politics, it's really a shame. Because what we're looking for is somebody who's not been any particular way. We're looking for somebody who's just going to interpret the Constitution and the law as it stands. We're not we're not really looking at bends in any direction, but it's turning so political that, that that it's really what it is. We're looking for somebody who can who can fall on the way that we think it should be done. And if they don't agree with the democratic mind in any every way they think they should, well, then we've got to figure out something else to throw at them. Yeah, I I think it's very dishonest. Um, and so, what are you what are you recommending to the kids that you pastor um, at at your church at New Life Christian Center as far as their behavior and being upright, et cetera, et cetera, in light of what's happening to Judge Kavanaugh? Well, uh, actually, it's amazing that this is all happening right now because I just recently taught a lesson on uh, the gods that the gods of this world, as we would say, that are fighting for our heart, for the control of our minds and our heart. And one of them was the god of pleasure. And, of course, that, that pertains, I, I talked about everything from pornography to other relationships, things that can get you into trouble, maybe when you when it's not your intention. And... Uh, even, you know, the Internet today is, is just something that it did not used to be. You can even get on a Fox News website and see an advertisement that's risque, even though you're not looking for something like that. And so you, you have to have your guard up about these types of things because somebody can just look up your, your search history, and, and, and that can be your fault just from that. And so there's several things I've recommended. Number one, Social media is something that is open to everybody. Everybody can see, and we, we open up our lives more than we ever have on social media for everyone to see. And I think that that's got to be an area where we have the right friends on there. We like the right pages. We share the right things. I've seen people who unintentionally have shared things that were terrible, and I knew the person. They probably would never, uh, I would think, would never do that, but they would share it, and you see it, and it's like, man, you know, maybe they're not exactly who they claim to be. Everybody, we're, we're, we're testifying of ourselves on social media. And, and I think if we, if in our actions we think of it as testifying of ourselves, and if we're serving God, we're testifying of that God in our actions, then if we think of it that way, we're more likely to do the right thing in every situation. Amen to that. Well, I want to say thanks so much for coming on to the show today. Um, Ryan LaRue, student pastor at New Life Christian Center, and Rector, Arkansas, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, Stacey. Enjoy your show. All right. Thanks for being on. Um, so, I, you know, he's right. We, we do need to use this as a teaching opportunity for our kids, but we also need to teach kids when we're speaking about these kinds of accusations that, first of all, un, so, so accusing someone improperly 
is something that the boulder is going to roll back on you. That's number one. And number two, that it takes away from legitimate accusations. And there are people out there who've been victimized who are much less likely to come forward if someone makes an accusation and is then found to be false because they're afraid that they won't be believed. And that's what we need to guard against. We need to be very careful not to have that as something that we're, we're participating in. Right now, I want to go to uh, this Illinois Democratic leader. He's speaking at an event, uh, like a rally, if you will, to Democrats. He's outside. He's doing his thing. And then he starts talking about how often the people who are listening to him should vote. Now, he's a Democrat. It's number one. We got a great candidate for governor, J.B. Pritzker. He's going to win. He's going to win big. But he won't, he won't win if we do not get out and vote. We need to early vote. Like I say, we can play East St. Louis, Ruth, vote off and vote, vote early, vote off and whatever you can get away with. I shouldn't say that, but I really don't care. Wow. So let me just let me just help out here. This guy says that if you're voting for the Democrats, vote early, vote often, do whatever you have to do. I really don't care just so that Democrats can be elected. Where's the outrage? Where are the news reports? Where are the CNN breaking news banners and the, you know, the little breaking news sound that they make when they are introducing a story that's just hit the airwaves. It's like, oh, you know, there's something horrible that's happened. Look at what's going on. Um, oh, my goodness. What happened? And why doesn't anybody care about that? He's admitting to voter fraud. Now, Google is on the hot seat. It's now admitting, uh, after a Wall Street Journal report, that their policy is to allow apps to scan data from Gmail accounts. In other words, read the Gmail. I mean, every time you think you got like just a couple things going on, then the next thing you know, you find out from these companies that you, you really don't. This is in the Wall Street Journal. And this Google official actually sent a letter to senators saying the company allows app developers to scan Gmail accounts, even though Google itself stopped the practice for the purpose of ad targeting last year. The company also disclosed that app developers generally are free to share the data with others as long as Google determines that their privacy policies adequately disclose potential uses. Developers may share data with third parties so long as they are transparent with the users about how they're using the data. So when, when's the last time you got a note from any third-party developer or app saying that we read your email and we're going to share some of that. Do you mind? Have you ever gotten a notice like that? I mean, it's just, it, this is like the, the, this is the height of crazy that they're doing it instead of saying, Hey, Google user, you need to opt in to us allowing app developers to scan your data. Instead, they're like, yes, you can scan it all. We're not going to ask them. We're not going to do it anymore, but you can do it still. And then there's all, so Google to stop reading users' emails to, to targeting ads. That was June 23rd of 2017 when they reported that. And then text Dirty Secret, the app developers are sifting through your Gmail. That's July 2nd that they reported that. 
So they're using software tools provided by Gmail and other email services. They can access information about what products people buy, where they travel, and which friends and colleagues they interact with the most. And then in some cases, employees at these app companies have read people's actual emails in order to improve their software algorithms. Now, the response, which was in the form of a letter from Google, was sent to lawmakers in July. And the lawmakers who were requesting information were Commerce Committee Chairman John Thune, Republican South Dakota, and others. Now, they're, they're having this Commerce Committee hearing on data privacy practices and other Internet platforms, as well as for some telecommunications firms. So in the letter, Alphabet Company, which owns Google, outlined steps that they would take to vet third-party email apps. A Google spokesman said the company has no comment beyond the letter that they provided to Congress. And this latest disclosure echoes recent concerns about software developers sharing data from users of Facebook and shows that the privacy policy model is simply broken beyond repair. I agree. Because at no point are the people who are using it being informed of what's going on. So no wonder they make it so easy to use. No wonder they have all of the different things set up for us to utilize. Because they're like, yeah, you can use it all you want to. We're just going to read all your email. We're going to read it all. I mean, it's just, it's so disturbing. So I got to, I just, I'm sorry. I got to go back to this one more time. Just one more time. Are the Republicans going to do the Lucy football, Charlie Brown thing right now? Where, in this case, Blazy Ford is Lucy with the football, and the football is her appearing before the panel, and she just keeps setting the football down, and the Republicans keep running at it and trying to kick it, and then she snatches it away. And every single time she snatches it away, she's kind of looking at him like, boy, you guys don't fall for anything. Here it is again. I might come in if you let me do X. Here's the football. Run at it. Put your foot out. Take a kick. Oh, snatched it again. That's what this looks like. Why they don't just go forward with a vote and leave this drama to the side, I will never know. Already online, I've seen all these reports about Democrats saying they're going to launch a presidential election-sized campaign in the midterms if they're able to take Kavanaugh down. Now, I got to wonder, is all that money coming from George Soros? Because they haven't raised anything at the DNC. They've raised nothing. The Republicans just passed the $250 million threshold on their fundraising. And the Democrats have, like, lots of debts and, and an old busted list from Obama that he finally shared. So we'll see about that. Okay, when we get back, we're going to have more. Your calls as well. 866-963-2037. Keep it here. it take to live an uncommon life? Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment. My third year of playing professional football, I was traded from the Pittsburgh Steelers to the San Francisco 49ers. Moving to San Francisco, I was surprised at how prevalent the drug usage was there. However, because of the way my parents raised me, I was never tempted to use them. Unfortunately, one of my teammates had gotten into the drug culture because he thought that's what pro athletes did. But because I had come from a Super Bowl team and didn't do drugs, 
it made him feel that he didn't have to either. We forget that peer pressure works in both directions. We can influence others to make better choices simply by making decisions that are true to our own convictions. Tony Dungy, author of the popular Uncommon book series. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com. My name is Rashawn. I was addicted to heroin and cocaine, living in parks, eating out of dumpsters. I just didn't have any hope. And now that I'm in Teen Challenge, I'm completely drug free. If you know an adult or teenager who's struggling with a chemical addiction, Teen Challenge can help. Call us today at 417-581-2181 or reach us online at teenchallengeusa.com. This is Urban Family Talk. Y'all have encouraged us to go out, stand for the Word of God, stand politically. It's truly a blessing to hear how God is using Urban Family Talk. Just want to say I love everything that Urban Family does. Will you take a moment to share your story? Call 877-327-5647. That's 877-327-5647. Thanks. Securing America. The Trump administration is rolling out a national biodefense strategy under the direction of the Health and Human Services Department. Bio and CAM are often referred to as the poor man's nuclear weapon. National Security Advisor John Bolton announced a cabinet-level biodefense steering committee to be chaired by Secretary Alex Azar. Biological threats of a man-made accidental or naturally occurring nature are very real and they're growing. President Trump says Health and Human Services has developed key resources since 9-11 to help detect and combat biological threats such as anthrax and Ebola. Secretary Azar says the committee will conduct a full assessment across government agencies. It is really the first ever holistic look across the government to see where are we acting and where might there be any gaps in light of our awareness of threats. The president says the strategy will promote a more efficient, coordinated and accountable biodefense enterprise. In Washington, Rachel Sutherland, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I think you have to put all of this in context. Uh, Originally, Dr. Ford wanted to remain anonymous. Then she changed her mind and contacted the Washington Post uh, and gave them the story. Uh, Then she uh, asked us to hold a hearing. We've agreed to hold a hearing. Uh, Then she changed her mind and said, I don't want a hearing. I want an FBI investigation. Senator Grassley, who's demonstrated extraordinary leadership, uh, again reached out to her and said, look, we'll do it any way you want. We have to have a hearing. That's the way the Senate works. We'll send somebody out to see you. And now um, Dr. Ford has changed the conditions again. And as Ed Henry said, you know, it's the feeling on the Republican side of the committee that they're continually moving these goalposts. And I guess, you know, one of the questions becomes who... Who gets to run this process? Well, obviously, Lazy Ford gets to run it because she's the one who's accusing. And so she obviously gets to run everything. And all the rest of us can just sit around and wait for her to figure out what exactly it is she's willing to tell us or share with us since her memory's not that great. And she doesn't have anything to corroborate. Yeah. 
I guess that's the situation. So here we are. Uh, you got Senator John Kennedy talking about Dr. Blasey Ford's changing demands. He goes back in for a little bit more. It's number six. We, we, we broke Senate protocol and Senate rules to hold this hearing. Uh, the, the confirmation process is over. The hearing's over. The uh, confidential meeting with Judge Kavanaugh's over. The written question submission time, over. The FBI investigation, over. All that was left was to vote. Now, we're, we have broken the rules and, and protocol by having the hearing at her request. So, the, I just, I got nothing. I, the, the, just vote. That's where I'm at right now. Just vote over what's going on. Just vote. Vote it. Just just get, get the voting done and just be done with it. Uh, let the chips fall where they may. I know the problem is, and I've heard, and that was Senator John Kennedy, uh, I've heard that there's the part of the problem is that uh, they're worried about um, the possibility of the two flaky rhino pro-choice pro-abortion senators um murkowski and that other one collins that the two of them are going to be really influenced to kind of step back and not vote and that if they do then you know he can't be confirmed and that's how slim the majority is which again goes back to republicans always campaigning on stuff that when they get there they can't they can actually pull it off that's the that's the issue. You have your voters in your pocket if you say, yeah, I need to raise this much money. I need to win. And when I get there, I'm going to repeal Obamacare. And then when you actually get elected and the voters put you where you said you needed to go, then when it's time to vote, you vote to repeal Obamacare. Time to vote. Vote down those big spending increases. Time to vote. Vote for those uh, core issues. The wall. I mean, you can't really be worried about not getting elected. You were just elected. Now it's time to do something that you promised. Do it. Get it done. And then those people who sent you there will find 10 people more and you'll stay there because that's the main consideration here. I, I think that's probably the part that we, we discount the most is that once they get there and they get a taste of that power, stopping it, like they'll just do anything to stay. I think they should just vote. Just do it. Just vote and um, let, let the chips fall where they may. If you want to see people get energized, then something has to happen positively, something that supports the agenda. Just get it done. Just do it. And we know those two rhinos, it's like, you know, you... <laughs> Look what happens if you do. Look what happens if you don't. They're there. You need their vote. But goodness gracious. This is why the Republicans should be out. I mean, seriously, knocking those doors. I can speak from experience over here. There is nothing like knocking on the door of a potential voter. And when they open the door, because some of them are going to slam the door in your face. I had that happen. Uh, I would knock on the door sometimes and they would open the door and they'd be totally willing to listen to me. And then they'd say, oh, school board. Are you a Democrat or Republican? I'd say school board's nonpartisan. Yeah, but I only vote for Democrats. I'm like, well, I'm sorry, I'm not a Democrat. Then they would hand me my card back and say, you don't have to come here again because I'll never vote for you. They shut the door. 
But you know who the, the majority of the responses that I got knocking doors? And I'm not talking about knocking doors in a black neighborhood, just in case people who care that I have a permanent tan are wondering. This is a predominantly white neighborhood that is very affluent and really mixed, like mixed meaning Democrats, Republicans, etc. Independents, people who are like rapidly independent, who would never put a sign in their yard because they're not for either party, but they'll vote. And I remember knocking on the door and this one lady said, well, the thing is, I read about you in the list of candidates. And out of all the candidates who are on that list, there were, I think, five of us running. She said, you're the only one who's come knocking on my door. She said, tell me why you want to be on school board. And so I told her, you know, I'm already on school board. I was appointed. Uh, I'm, I'm knocking on this door because I want to be there and I want to serve a full term and perhaps more. But I, I definitely want to serve one full term. She said, do your kids go to the district? Yes, they're in the district. Um, what, what's, what, what are you hoping to do when you get there? And I talked to her about that and she wanted me to come inside and drink some tea, but you know, campaigning by yourself as a woman, even if it's a woman, you don't go inside, you never go inside. So we stood on her doorstep and it started raining and she said, you know, you're standing here in the rain telling me all about how you want to be on school board and you want me to vote for you. She said, I'm not particularly a Republican per se. And you've already said it's nonpartisan. I asked you if you're, you know, you're not a Democrat. But she said, you have really articulated well what it is that you want to do there on, on school board. And I believe you have the best interest of the kids at heart. And you have the history of volunteering. She said, I'm going to vote for you. And I'll put a sign in my yard. And I was so shocked because I just felt like she was about to let me down really soft and easy. And that happened over and over and over again. Over and over again, I'd just be out on a Saturday afternoon knocking by myself. I remember one time I took one of the kids with me. And boy, that was a winner. A small kid out knocking doors. Oh, people were like, yes, I'll take your, I'll take your card. And also, do you want to put a sign in my yard? Or yes, I'll put a sign. It, it, that, was, that was super fun. But even when I was by myself in the afternoon before I would go pick up the kids, I'd go knock my target neighborhood. I'd, I'd knock the whole street. And more often than not, people were interested in hearing what I had to say because it's just such a novel idea. You open the door and there's someone there that wants to talk to you about politics. And the person who's standing there that wants to talk to you uh, looks like, like a regular human being. So retail politics matters. And if anybody wants to win, but specifically these candidates who claim that they're going to be for the Constitution and for a, a particularly biblical worldview, working that out, it's time to knock those doors. And it's time consuming and you get, you know, you get sweaty and the afternoon gets long and you wish you were at home on your couch, you know, snuggled up with your with your little Maltese and just reading a good book or drinking a cup of hot tea. But it has to be done. And then once you've done that and you've gotten elected, you got to be willing to do what you said you were going to do on the campaign trail. And for those who are already elected, you know, it's time for some repentance, quite honestly. If you're out there advocating for abortion, but you call yourself a Christian, it's time to repent. You're out there advocating for increased taxes so that that money can be taken from people who've earned it and given to people who are able-bodied but refuse to work. It's time to repent. And it's okay because we all have to do that. All of us have to repent of our sins and ask to be made right with God. The forgiveness is there. 
but you have to basically admit, hey, I'm in the wrong on this. Are you like, has, is there anybody around that has never been wrong before? Is it so hard to just say, you know what? I'm wrong about that. That's the process I went through. Listening to Christian radio with a new baby. I'm listening. And every time I would get in the car with that baby to go somewhere, whether it was to back, back then I still shopped at Target, whether I was going to the Schnucks to buy groceries, it seemed like every time I, I would turn on the Christian radio, they'd be talking about some core issue that I was voting with the wrong party on. And I'd be driving along listening, thinking, wait a minute, what did he just say about the Bible? I remember one time <laughs> I, I, I wrote down the scripture that he had named off. And when I got home and got the baby in the house and took the groceries in and unpacked everything, I went back out to my car and got that scripture out. And I went straight to the Bible and I cracked it open. And what did it say? It was a scripture about homosexuality. And I wasn't particularly in favor of, of, of homosexuality, but I was, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a biblical worldview on it. I just was like, I, you know, why would anybody want to do that? But I'm, I'm, I'm neither here nor there because that doesn't apply to me. And then the next time I was in the car, I mean, this, you know, this is how God works on you. He finds that avenue in which you can hear and then he starts speaking. And so I'm, next time I'm in the car, it's about abortion. I'm like, wow, why would this be like, this is the third time I've heard them talk. I'm, I'm going to write this scripture down. So I wrote it down again. I get back home with the whole, you know, all the toilet paper and the paper towels and diapers and two sizes and all that stuff. I come home unpack everything, start cooking dinner. And remember, I left the scripture. I go back to the car, get the scripture, crack my Bible open and look at it. And the baby is on in the pumpkin seat on the counter in the kitchen. And she's just playing and kicking her feet and making all this noise. And I read the scripture and I'm like, oh my goodness. So if I'm going to be running around, you know, I'm a Christian. I believe the word of God, God's word is true. Then that means I'm voting incorrectly. And that's when the conviction set in. And no, I didn't that moment run over to the nearest GOP office and get a whole bunch of signs and change my party affiliation because there is no you, you don't have to declare party affiliation in the state of Missouri. What happened was the conviction set in, but I still needed to walk that out. It took time for me to come to the realization that not only was I going against the scriptures and going against the word of God, but that I had a choice to make and that, you know, now was the time. New mom. This, this is where you start mapping out. I, I remember sitting up with my husband and we would talk about, well, what will we teach the kids about this? Well, what will we teach the kids about that? You know, sometimes we would just have those conversations. Well, do you think we should, like, we're new parents. Should we teach the kids this or that? And there, you know, there's just one kid at that point. I'm expecting another one, but there's just the baby. You know, she's just, she's just a, a little baby. And so she doesn't, we don't have to teach her anything, but just at some point we knew she's going to start asking questions. We're going to have to start raising this child up. Do we want to raise her as a Christian? We're Christians, but are, are we going to raise her as a Christian? And what kind of Christian is it going to be? And so we'd have that conversation. And then, you know, a couple weeks go by. I'll be back in the car again. Some other bedrock issue. Somebody's preaching about it on Christian radio. And at one point I turned it off. We were just riding along in silence. And I thought to myself, well, you know what? I can keep running. I can turn it off and not listen to it or, and, and run. Or I can turn it on and figure out what exactly is going on here. And so that's what I did. And that was the beginning of the journey away from voting based on racial identity politics. 
Because nowhere in the Bible does it say that God is going to, well, you know what? Because you know what, Stacey, you're black. No, I'm just a child of the king, permanent tan and all. He says we are all made in the image of Christ. We will, we will figure out what being made in the image of God, the Godhead, Holy Spirit, our Father in heaven, and then Jesus Christ. We'll find out what exactly that looks like and how we can all be made in his image, but look so different from each other. We'll find out what that is right when we get to heaven. But until then, we can only just trust what God's word says, which is that we are made in God's image. So we are all brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are all heirs to that same inheritance that was bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus on the cross. So if we know that, then we know there isn't any reason for us to vote based on our outer appearance, our outer appearance. This is all the temporary. This is not eternity right here that you're looking at. This is the outer fleshly appearance that we are sporting while we're down here. So if we just can get away from trying to identify ourselves by characteristics that are temporary and start really, really looking at what, look, this is, I want to spend eternity behind the big, huge, the, the door, the door of heaven is described in the Bible as being a huge pearl, a, a, an enormous, like mega sized pearl that when you push it, it opens up and that there's a big, huge angel guarding the door, one on each side. And then all the other descriptions of what it's going to be like, I got to get there. So I can't let this permanent tan be the reason why I'm voting incorrectly, thinking incorrectly, believing incorrectly, taking myself off the path to that place. It's not about party, but it's about the word of God. Think about it. God bless you. Be back with you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.